Hey everybody, I want to take a second to tell you about Snagit 2022. I don't have time to go into all the details about Snagit 2022, but it has a variety of options for fast and easy to use video creation. It's got new ways to work across devices and platforms with the new cloud library. And your purchase or upgrade includes your first year of maintenance and the newly updated Snagit certification course. With 20 plus videos of Snagit how-tos, certification is a great way to help you speed up your workflows, unlock potential, and get your work done faster. So check out Snagit 2022 today at snagit.com. And now, back to the podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Pierce. I am the Learning and Video Ambassador for TechSmith Corporation. So happy that you're here with us today, whether you're watching the video or you're listening to the podcast. We're grateful for everybody tuning in. And just as a reminder, if you like what you're hearing, go ahead and, you know, give us a leave us some comments or hit the like button or give us five stars or subscribe, whatever you're going to do. We'd love to have you as a long term listener, and we hope you get a lot of value out of these shows. Today is a little special because next week in recording world, because time is has no meaning when you record things, is Thanksgiving, so we're going to be off. And if you're listening to this, we're actually going to be past that when it actually publishes. But just know that this was recorded uh, and not published live, so you're not missing anything if you're wondering, like, how did I miss that one? But for today, we've got a really great episode. We're going to be talking with Janet Lee. And Janet is an educator. She is someone who has worked in curriculum development, has done a lot of different things, and she's got ideas because we know the world has gotten crazy, right? With the pandemic and educators are moving uh, things like in mass online and struggling with that as things open and close, open and close. But she's got some ideas that I think are going to be really uh, helpful and give us perspective. So with that said, I'd like to welcome Janet Lee to the Visual Lounge. Janet, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Matt. We're, we're so glad you're here. For those, uh, you know, I did a little introduction, but I'm sure there's lots about you that people would love to know and help us understand who you are. Wow. Well, I've been in education for 25 years in different facets. I started out teaching in Washington, D.C. in the suburbs. I was teaching students who were struggling with literacy in 11th and 12th grade. So I really got some lessons in education back then. Um Three years into my career, I moved to Ontario. So I was in Ontario, Canada for 15 years. And in that time, I was able to help open two brand new high schools. And also, I wrote some instructional materials for a product called Nelson Literacy that is widely accepted around Canada. And I became an international kind of literacy speaker. And my specialty was helping teachers who felt burned out. Uh, and basically, we would look at their classrooms. We might collaborate on some ideas, uh, gather some data, and see if we could move the needle. And it worked. It really worked for literacy skills across not only my province of Ontario, but Canada. Um, eight years ago, I moved to Tampa, Florida. And I got my master's degree in instructional design and technology. And the reason I did that was to challenge myself. I thought, I don't believe in this online learning thing. I'm not sure it's a real thing or is, is it <laughs> as great <laughs> as face-to-face -face learning? So I did my master's and I explored it. And I found that all of my experience in face-to-face -face classrooms really helped me because I understood the learner and I understood 
the frustrations that many faculty feel when they try to go from face-to-face learning to online. But I had a lot of time to think about it and a lot of time to explore. So when COVID came around in March and my college shut down and went to virtual learning, I had panicked faculty on the line. I mean, I did hundreds of face-to-face through Zoom uh, meetings with faculty to try and, first of all, calm people down because we're all in panic mode. How do you do this? How does it work? Well, why don't I just turn my camera on and talk to my students for 55 minutes? Uh, That is not something that translates well uh, to an online platform. So, For the last several months, I've been working with brand new faculty and people who are freaked out. Uh, And I understand because I went through the same process, only I had a lot of time to get my head around it, as we say. Um, And I'm so glad to be here, Matt, because I just want to help. And I'm hoping this program will get out to more people who feel panicked, who have to transition overnight. And hopefully I can give you a couple practical strategies for people who are face to face forever. Teachers. Yeah. And I, I, so I think you, you, you mentioned kind of where I wanted to, to start, but like the, the idea of burnout, you probably don't see anyone burned out right now in education, right? Not at right. all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, so yeah, we definitely know there's that impact. And so it's, it's really interesting. I, I guess I'd ask you this as we get going and I want to get to those strategies, but because I think burnout is really high. Like I know, and you know, everyone has these experiences with their teachers, you know, they got kids, if they got kids that are dealing with like K-12 or in college, you know, they're all the things, everything is changing for everyone. I want to acknowledge that. Um, But what like real practical here, like one, two pieces of advice for just about the burnout. Like, what do you say to a teacher who's just like, I'm burning candles at both end. I don't know what to do anymore. You know, like they're just feeling that, immense amount of pressure, uh, regardless of what's going on outside of the teaching realm in their lives, that it's hard to be a teacher in any kind of respect right now. So what, what would you say to them? First, I want to say if nobody has thanked you yet, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, It's amazing that you've been able to make this transition. Schools are closing and you are online the next day. It's amazing that you're doing this and that you're there for your students. Now, I would say take a deep breath and realize you're not by yourself. um, And the answers you need are in front of you. If somebody like me is not in my office, you can take a moment and search online. Now, I know it sounds so silly and so simple, but Googling your answers is possible. And that's one of the biggest secrets of instructional designers is that we Google things. We find things out. Um, The hurdle is overcoming your anxiety to get to the point where you can think straight. Listen, you know education, you know students, and you, for if you are making a transition, you already have a community of learners there. So why don't you, don't panic, first of all, take a deep breath and rest on what you know about students and learning. Um, having a conversation that first day is so important. Building an environment is so important. Don't just jump off into, oh, well, okay, we're online now, but have that moment of, yeah, we're online now. What does this mean? How is this different? And have that conversation with your students, whether you're synchronous or asynchronous, you can have the conversation, um, but the answers are there for you. You just have to try and guard against that panic mode. 
Yeah, I, I, well, I love that. And yes, of course, we we want to thank all the teachers out there for all the work that they're doing because we know it's we know these are just challenging times. But I, I love that idea, like realize our answers. I, so I, I think that really resonates with me that because I, I that's how I find a lot of my stuff. You know, I'm Googling, I'm asking my colleagues, I'm asking my my online contacts about like, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this. What am I doing? And oftentimes um, I don't end up doing what they say, but I'll do some modified version that fits with my my world. Right. Like and so I think that's really great advice and I appreciate that. Uh, it, it does seem, though, like when you, you people get into this panic mode. And, and so I love the advice of like, stop, ask questions, talk to your students, rely on your instincts of as a teacher. I suppose it's a little harder if you're, you're brand new to teaching. Um, but what else, what else can you do to get that panic under control here as an educator? Like, so we're, we're starting to go, let's say we're worried about things going online and maybe we've, we're, maybe it's, we've been online, but we feel like it's not being as successful we've, we started the process of researching what's next. Like what else can we do here to really make sure education is going to be effective for, for those learners? Well, I would remind everybody if you never had this in teacher's college, um, or if you didn't, a lot of faculty are subject matter experts and they don't have the learning background, the teaching background. If that's you, there's something you can fall back on that a lot of us already know about. And I'm going to give this to you. It's the Madeline Hunter lesson plan. Uh, and this is a great tool. And what I've done is I've taken this tried and true, super old <laughs> lesson plan. If we can just quickly look at it, this is a way that you can plan out your first week online. And also you can, this will help you to kind of stay um, on track throughout your experience online. So let's go ahead and look at that. And if you're listening to the podcast, these will be available on our blog. So you can check that out. Uh, Absolutely. Awesome. So if you look at it, I've added a few things. Um, So the anticipatory set turned into a warm up. Um, But basically welcome your students as they enter the meeting. That's so important. You know how we would stand at the door and greet students. Well, this is the same sort of thing. When students come into your Zoom meeting, you wanna say, oh, Catherine, I'm so glad to see you. Welcome to the class. It really makes a difference if you're speaking the names of your students and welcoming them in. I also put a time limit on that because you don't wanna go on forever, uh, but you wanna keep yourself on track with the lesson. Okay, so the little light bulbs mean uh, some ideas from me. So you might put a prompt up. I always had something on the board when students walked in to my face-to-face class. So why not do that? Share your slide or share your PowerPoint even before the session. That's kind of a cool thing to do that a lot of people feel weird about. They're like, why would I share my stuff? Well, guess what? If it's online, if it's if it's in front of them, everyone can have it. So why not give your students your PowerPoint before they get there? Interesting, right? Um, <clears throat> the next thing is the warm-up. So take a read of your group. Some people say, if you were weather, what would you be? So I heard that idea from my friend Tina. It's amazing. If you were weather, what would you be? Are you summer? Are you a hurricane? Are you rainy? It, it's very simple, kind of sounds elementary, but it really helps. It helps to get the conversation moving. You want an intro, you can launch a poll in your class. And if you can't figure out how to work a poll in Teams or whatever it is you're using, just use the chat. Say, all right, from one to five, how are you feeling about this topic? We'll have them weigh in. 
make sure you have an agenda um, and put it on the slides. So it's, it's students know what you're going to be covering. Um, and of course, I'm talking about a synchronous class here. So if you're talking to students in real time, this is a lesson plan for that. Um, <clears throat> let's see. So current slides, how I represent this content. Please look at that content you're showing students. A lot of people are using publisher content. No, like I'm telling you, no um, offense to the companies who are trying to give great uh, content in slides. But look at those slides and maybe have somebody in your household sit down and look at the slide and say, OK, what do you think of this slide? What does it mean to you? There's a lot of times there's grammar issues with the slide. There's too much information on it it's not big enough, um, you will have to talk to your students about the content and kind of fill in the blanks there. If you have 55 sl slides to cover in 50 minutes, it's probably too many slides. So I said it. I just said it. Uh, or I, I would interject and say that maybe you're trying to do too much on the slides because I've often done more than 55 slides in 55 minutes, but it means you're spending less time on each slide and each slide has to be micro, very micro, right? Like, so I think you can balance it out, but you have to be very mindful of that. It has to be deliberate. You can't just go into it that way. That's such a good point. Thank you for that. Yeah, you have to be deliberate with this. And you also have to, you know, couch these slides in some literacy strategies. So think about this. Here's the title of the slide. Everyone make a prediction. What do you think this is going to be about? Or make a connection is something I always like to do. Then on this lesson plan, I'll show you. So it says, what are the three engagement moments? I put this in, this is not Madeline Hunter lesson plan anymore. It's a Janet Lee. Uh, there are three engagement moments that I put in there on purpose. And just like Matt said, purposefulness is what it's about. Um, engagement moments. Okay, are you having students raise their hands? Are you having students show an emotion by putting a thumb up and down? Or they have a bunch of icons that are on paper in front of them. Are you having students comment in the chat, um, what are you doing to engage your students? There's a super cool thing called Jamboards in um, Google Drive that I am in love with. It's amazing for engagement. Just giving you a little hint there. Um, and then how will you know that they've got it? An exit comment. And, you, you know, you don't want them just saying goodbye. You want them to actually tell you if they got it. So exit tickets are a super cool thing to put in place as well. And I'll show you an example of one of those if, if we have time. Um, if not, all of this is available on my website. It's everythingjanetlee.com and I'm just giving everything away in there. There's resources you can have uh, for yourself to get started. This seems like a really general lesson plan, but this will save you. When I just started out teaching, I would make sure I had a lesson plan. And the most important thing is at the bottom there, that personal reflection. All of us are studying brains right now. Like you're studying your students, what works, what doesn't, and how um, how can you make it better than next time around? A lot of us have the same prep or we're teaching the same course a bunch of times. Um, how can you on the fly adjust it so that you get a better response from your students? The worst thing is when they flip on their camera, say hello, turn off their camera and roll over and go back to sleep. You don't want that to happen. You got to make sure your students are engaged with you and feel supported um, in the process. So that's the lesson plan, Matt. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And as you were talking and going through this, one of the things that came to my mind is there is a book, uh, it's called Brain Rules, and the author is John Medina. And if anyone hasn't had a chance to read it, I I, I think it's really good. He's a neuroscientist, University of uh, Seattle, I think, 
up in Washington. And one of the things I remember from that, and I think this, see if this, tell me if this applies, Janet, because you're, you're much more of an expert at this than I am. He talked about the idea that like, you need to give kind of like these resets, like every 10 minutes. And so that if you expect uh, a learner to be able to pay attention, do all the things for an hour, especially young brains, I would imagine that, that, that it's not going to work and that you need to do something. And he often talks about using like stories or, uh, you know, like that could be those polls or that could be something that changes it up. So you can kind of reset the brain so that they're ready to continue. Cause that you can't, can't maintain focus for an hour. And I, I can attest to that. I'm sure everyone's listening to the saying like, Matt, do you know how long your show is? Do you know how long <laughs> your, your podcast is? I, I, I get it. Like, let's try let's to mix it up. Some, right. <laughs> right. We're going to, so Hey, I just, I just interrupted things with a comment guys. Uh, so what it. do you think? Is, is that seem like probably a, a good advice? It should oh, teachers yeah. and educators and- do that. For sure. I mean, when we lecture at students for 55 minutes, like this is a snooze fest. I'm sorry. I'm saying it. Don't do that. (laughs) Um, I have a badge. Um, But no, really look at your content and think about like, all right, I'm talking for this whole time, but what could I do to chunk up the content? So get creative a little bit, maybe put a tiny clip, a YouTube clip in or something you made, something really short that has a call to action at the end. So what do you want students to do with that material? You would like, when you put a video in, make sure you frame it. And remember how we think we do like before, during and after. So before you watch this video, I want you to think about our topic while you're, uh, you know, brainstorm while we watch it. Here's a little guide, uh, a a guide for what to look for. And then finally, at the end, here's how you show me that you can apply this material. When we lecture constantly, we lose students' interest and attention, and it's not embedding the learning in any way. It's like a one-way transmission. And when you allow students to participate back, it's a big deal. Um, That's I love Nomia for that fact. That's something that's a product we got at our college a text myth, um, where you can actually put questions in the video so that it becomes participatory. That's the key here with instructional design. You're designing something that students can participate in and make meaning from. But you have to know that they're making meaning and they're not just, as I said, turning the camera off and rolling back over to go to sleep. So it's important to really be purposeful about your content. Yeah. Well, thank you for the plug. We never ask for it, but we always appreciate it. So, uh, and if anyone doesn't know Nomia, I would say go check it out because it's, you might've, if you're in the education space, you might've heard of TechSmith Relay. It's been rebranded and now there's actually individual plans. It's well worth the, worth the while. But one thing you said there that made me really think is, um, one thing that I've been teaching and I know I just saw research from, Oh gosh, it's an early morning and my brain is not completely firing this morning, but uh, uh, he teaches a lot about media principles and instructional design and the name will come to me, I promise. But he, he talks about the idea of getting to like, p- getting people to reflect and getting them to write or getting them to do something after they watch instructional video. And one of the things I'm a fan of is, if, and it's a very low tech solution, is just asking the viewer to pause. Like, hey, pause the video and do X, Y, or Z, or think about X, Y, and Z. Um, Cause I know like we can build in polls, we can build in questions, but if all you've got is they've got a player in their 
video. Like I love the idea. So I love this idea of building in these other points along the way to in, uh, promote cr critical thinking, promote kind of the processing and also giving people just, a ch I think students just sometimes need a chance to like be forced to, to, to really process like, oh yeah, this is something that I have to pay attention to. Cause I know it's very easy for me to put on a video, then find out about three minutes in that I didn't pay attention to three minutes. Cause I was, I was doing other stuff. Well, you know, we do this, this strategy called think, pair, share, and that's what you're um, describing perfectly. If you're watching a video, you pause it. So you're thinking about it, but what we're missing is the pair part. So what if we said, all right, you're all by yourself. Okay, well, watch this part of the video, and then I'd like you to get up and go talk to somebody about it. Or call someone, may call phone a friend and see what they think and what they can add to this definition or to this understanding. And then moving forward, I want you to share what they said, but also what you said, and you can synthesize and put them put them together, put the ideas together into a new idea. Um, we have these strategies that work so well in a face-to-face -face classroom. They can work in an online environment. It's not, it's, it's just different than what you know. It's not that it doesn't work. Okay. So thinking about those strategies, just students are students and we know our students, we can use the strategies this way. Yeah. And for anyone listening, it's Dr. Richard Mayer, which I should never forget. Yeah. I said so Merrill, much. and I don't know. It's, it must be early for me. There is a Merrill. Yeah. There is a Merrill. But Dr. Richard Mayer is one. Go look at his research. He does a lot of his stuff on instructional video, especially in education. Well, Janet, we talked a lot about face-to-face. -face, like, And face-to-face, -face, I mean by like digitally face-to-face, -face, like Zoom and Teams and all the other tools you can use. How does any of this change, though, if you're going to go asynchronous and you're going to have like you're going to make videos like you're you're not going to just because I know like I'll, I'll take my my kids as an example. I've got college age as well as high school age and younger. Um, and I know they do they do some face to face, but a lot of it is like planned delivery. Like here's a video, go watch this video and then do this work. Does anything change or does does that lesson plan still work here or should we be thinking slightly differently? Well, if you're in an asynchronous environment, you might think about creating a micro learning lecture. And it is what it sounds like. It's a micro, it's focused in on a topic. And I made this little graphic that I really like to use with, with faculty, but I also like for them to use this with their students. And if you want to put that one up, Matt, um, this is, okay, so it's planning a micro learning lecture. And all you have to do is fill in the little points. So first you focus. And for many faculty, this might be an issue. <laughs> it is for me sometimes focusing on exactly what I want to say. Uh, so, and that's why there's not very much room there. It just says, name your topic. And then a hook. What could you say that might get your students really interested in this little topic that you're about to talk about? Add a few supporting points. Notice there's only three lines. Give yourself some points. And then number four is make a call to action. And I broke the box open there because I want you to think outside the box. When you're recording that part of your video, you can do something like pointing below you and you can say, read the article below or 
comment below, look at the navigation. It's, they love it when you do that, when you just kind of like break out of the box um, of the micro learning lecture to point around, but also to get students to demonstrate their learning in new ways. There's more ways to demonstrate your learning than just write an essay, write a summary. You could come back with a, a piece of content that connects to what I'm saying. But anyway, you plan this micro learning lecture and set your timer on your oven. I'm telling you this works. <laughs> set your timer for 30 minutes. And then and say, I'm going to get this done in 30 minutes. Uh, and it's a little like uh, recording a voicemail message. <laughs> the best editing tool you have is to never watch it again. Because <laughs> <laughs> you ever done that in your voicemail message and then you just, you know, go back and do it a billion million times. Um, but for this, you have your planning and then I would suggest you write it out as a script. And that's just really easy. You take it from the planning, from in your mind, from this planning um, graphic, then you write yourself a script. And what I'm about to tell you, it's super cool. There's a free teleprompter out there. Um, there's several teleprompters, but the one that I like is um, prompt smart, but that you have to pay for There's a free teleprompter. We're going to give you that email address. Um, after the session. But anyway, you take that script and you actually put it in this teleprompter and hit play. Leave that window open with your screen capture. So let's say you use your webcam or you open a Zoom meeting and you record it, but you're reading the script and it'll get you to your point faster and you can get done. You can be a one take wonder. I love that when I can do it in one take, uh, but it's, it's hard without a script. So I would just say, if you want to record videos, go ahead and do it. Um, start with a don't panic video. I have one of those on my website. Uh, and it's basically like, hey, don't panic. Yeah, we're online. <laughs> but here's what you need to bring for the first class. I want you to have your textbook. I want you to have post-its, a piece of paper, if that's the way you like to take notes, a pen, and um, we'll see it in class. But if it's an asynchronous um, course you're building, it's really important that you are present and they call that instructor presence and videos really do that. Um, hopefully this graphic will help you kind of get to the point of uh, what you want to film. Yeah. So uh, one, one of the questions I know is going to come up and if people were, were live with us today, I know they'd be asking because this always happens with anything micro learning, right? Like, it is, it is the thing that when you're looking at this, you're like, okay, you're saying micro learning lecture. So I know from a lot of conversations, people like, there's a lot of debate. Well, is it micro learning if it's 30 sec, only more than 30 seconds or minute? Someone's going to ask, what is the length of a micro learning lecture? What's appropriate in your, in your sense of kind of what you've seen and what works best? I always think of three minutes. Bang. That's I always I just because I think if I go on longer than that, it's too much and I need to cut back on the content. Mm -hmm. You need to give short bites. I don't know what you think of that, Matt. What is because I know you've done lounges about it. Um, yeah. Five minutes. I heard five minutes. What, what is your opinion of it? So, I mean, so as soon as we put the word micro learning on it, I think there's a whole different set of definitions around it. I think micro learning for me, I want to give people permission to do what they need to do rather than conscript, say like, oh, it has to be 30 seconds, it has to be 10 minutes. I think it's one topic. And I think you, your graphic here, let me just bring it back up here, actually lays this out really well. It is one topic. 
You're not trying to do two topics. You're focused on one thing. I love the idea of a hook, just something to grab them, pull them in. And that should be super short. And then a couple supporting things about that one topic. I think the problem I see, uh, and I'm guilty, I'm so guilty of this, is I say one topic and then it becomes two topics, becomes three topics. And I try to put so much information in there or I try to get so deep or so advanced. It's like, it's actually defeating the the purpose. Like, uh, and we do this with tutorials a lot too. It's really easy to say, well, I'll use Camtasia as an example. Like, oh, well, we, we want to teach them about callouts. Well, now we're not just going to teach them how to add the call out or to now we got to change the color. Now we got to change the shape. Now we're going to change it from a, a shape to a blur. And now we're going to shape it to a blur. And we're going to show you how to move it across with a, like oh. all of a sudden it expands into 12 things. And so for me, I, I don't think there's a right answer for length. I think it really depends if, if your topic, well, that one topic is complex, like seriously complex. Maybe it's uh, physics or microbiology or who knows what, and it takes 10 minutes to get through like that one and it's really one topic. Go mm -hmm. for it. Right. Cause your students are then going to benefit from the fact that you focused on that one thing and not given them 20 things to do. Uh, and I, I think we, sh I think we sh talked about this, but I, uh, and I don't want to call anybody out, but I saw a video recently. It was for music education and it was a, like a 15, 20 minute video and it had examples in it, which, you know, for younger kids, it was, you need those examples, but the instructions were like way at the end and you had to get through like 15 minutes of stuff to get to the instructions. And as a parent, I was frustrated because I'm like, you know what? I just need to know what he has to do. I need to know what my student needs to do. <laughs> I don't need all this. So I thought like, wow, what if this would have been two or three videos? Uh, one, I could, you could break it up for the students so they can logically chunk and understand versus, you know, this big thing that they have to, they're, paying attention right. like this, right? Like, uh, I can't do this. Exactly. So those and, are I mean, my if thoughts. You have that, if you have that big video, you, you chunk it within. So I have an original video and then I chunk it and I put that on a page, but I'm thinking about white space and framing. So I do make a prediction about this topic. And then as you're viewing, do this and that very clear instruction at the top then the video on the page and below that perhaps a discussion question or a way um, for students to show me that they they understand and then you know chunk it up that way on different pages there's that double scroll thing you don't want to scroll a page forever just two scrolls and then add another page there's nothing wrong with splitting up a video if you have a big long one but just be careful and I'll tell you uh one time <laughs> I had a video from a faculty member who it was 27 minutes long and we slimmed it back to two minutes and it was too long still so when you look at just really try and focus yourself and and you know discipline yourself to do that another thing you can do as an instructor who's designing courses and we are all instructional designers now um have somebody that lives with you sit down and go through your course. It's this over the shoulder test. So you just watch them. So watch where their, their mouse goes, see where they have questions, have them show you that when they're, they become frustrated when we write our own content, it's difficult to make it right. The first time out of the gate, if you can just take a minute and have somebody else go through it 
and you're sitting there going, why don't you know to click next? Well, it's because it's not clear to the learner. You know, I've spent my whole career working with struggling students. And it makes me so like emotional even when students don't know what to do in a course they don't think, oh, my instructor didn't plan this properly. They think it's them. They say, oh, well, um, I mean, I'm just going back to college now, and maybe I'm just not up to the task of online learning. Maybe I'm not good at this. Let's all go back to face-to-face -face because I'm better at that. No, um, it's the design. So you really have to think about being clear and allowing there to be a flow. And this reminds me of that acronym that I just came up with um, called LIVE. Uh, do you have that, Matt? I can. I do. Let's... So, that. so I thought of Scrabble tiles. I don't play Scrabble. It would make me feel super frustrated. But if you think about getting all the letters for the word LIVE, um, and you can see there's an exclamation point. Exclamation points do not exist in Scrabble, as far as I know. So I made one. Uh, so it's L-I-V-E with an exclamation point. When you are designing your course, think of these five things. So the first thing is, am I lecturing for the whole time? Can I chunk that up? That's the L, all right? If you have to do that, then, then work on your L if you don't have your L. Do you have your I? And when we're talking about Meryl, right? Yes. <laughs> um, he, he talks about interactions. So student to student interaction, student to instructor interaction, and student to content interaction. Do you have all three of those in your online course? If you don't have your I, work on those. The V, I was thinking like, what's the V stand for? And all I could think about was the velvet flow. What's the flow of your course? Do you have a clear navigation set up or are you just opening your filing cabinet and telling students just to go find what they need? A lot of us have courses that look like filing cabinets instead of very clear pathways in modules, units, pages, whatever way you want to set it up. It's got to have a velvet flow so students know how to get there and what to do when they do get there. The E is for engagement. So think about ways to engage your students. I was talking about chat. I was talking about Jamboards, uh, talking about discussion questions and switching that up a lot. Engagements are important so that you know your students are actually there and listening and engaged with the material because that's how we embed learning. And then there's that exclamation point. And that speaks to the void. When you turn off your camera and you finish a session with students or you walk away from grading a bunch of papers, how do you feel? I feel empty sometimes. I feel like I really miss that parking lot chat. I miss when the students come up and ask me questions. So that exclamation point addresses that. How do you feel when it's over, you as a teacher? Well, the way to get around that, and one of the things that helps my state of mind is to have an exit ticket. So I have a place for students to actually tell me, tell me an aha moment, tell me, and don't ask, do you have any questions? Because nobody ever has any questions and you know it. <laughs> um, <laughs> say, what do you, what are you curious about? What do you want to know more about? That's how you frame that uh, so that your students don't just clam up. Okay. And then moving forward, what could you put in place right now so that you could be very practical with this material? Um, and 
those exit tickets help so much. They help us feel like we're we're making a difference. And also, you can group students according to their responses to those exit tickets. You can also decide what the next lesson should be. It can drive your instruction because if you see a lot of students are still curious about a certain topic you covered in your class, perhaps you could add something uh, in the next lesson that would address those responses you're getting. It's it's a great way that we used to use in face-to-face courses, but we can use online. And I use um, in my Google Drive, there's a forms uh, for exit tickets, and I put it on my website. You can just take my questions and use them for yourself. But as students respond, it also collects their responses, and you can look at your data. So I really like that piece, and you never lose it. So there's my live acronym. Hopefully, it'll help you to kind of uh, make sure you have all the things you need. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for going through that because that's not really awesome. You know, as we've been talking uh, and I'm thinking a lot about these different pieces coming together. One of the things that I think I question, I wonder, like, I wonder if there's an assumption about students that we make as, especially as we get a little bit older and we see technologies changing, like, you know, uh, again, I'm going to, I can only rely on my personal experience here. When world health pandemic started, kids school closed and all of a sudden, technology, new technologies have been implemented and sent home. So at the beginning of this new school year, it was like, here you go, here's a new system. And I wonder if one of the things that we haven't talked about is, is the need to make sure that we're not assuming that our students are technology able, that they are able to, to be able to do all this stuff, right? Like we talk about like, you know, poll, like a teacher, as a teacher, you might be freaking out, how do I use a poll? But what do you think about, is, is there a need for teaching the students too, like, and helping them? Cause I think they're probably in panic mode. Like what if they don't know how to use a poll? What if they don't know what these things are, right? Absolutely. I, uh, I was in a room with a parent, uh, it was on zoom and I was watching and her little girl had her hand up and she was, uh, waiting for a teacher to see her, but the teacher didn't see her. Um, and she started to cry. And, and it was like, my teacher doesn't see me and I have this thing I want to share. And I, I think as teachers, we assume students know how to click that little icon that says my hands up, you know, and the fact that we don't see you, there are different ways. She could have put something in the chat, but the little one, she was very little. She was like six. Mm-hmm. She just, it was enough for her just to cry and to shut down completely. So yes, it's important to have those purposeful conversations with students. So you, you really have to spend time with it. I mean, when we start our classes, the first week we talk about our syllabus, we talk about how to do things, but if you, transition to virtual learning, you also have to have those conversations about what do we expect in an online environment? How do you get around? How do you navigate what I've created? And how do you ask questions? I also want to say, if there's any instructional designers listening out there, oh my goodness, faculty feel this way too. And we cannot, as designers, just assume that faculty understand this technology we're talking about. I've been rattling off all these words, but I I bet you some people are sitting there going, I don't know what you're talking about. And they're shutting down. And many people, faculty in particular, do not want to feel like they don't know. This is a job where you're supposed to know. You're just supposed to know. And we don't know. And if you're a designer and you're speaking in a language that is going over everybody's heads, 
you'll have faculty shut down and then they fly under the radar and they go away. You know, you want to be somebody in your role that is open to people asking questions and not and, and just be careful of your words. You don't want to walk around going, oh, I can't believe this happened. We have to be kind to each other right now. This is a very special time and we are all learning. This is not a terrifying time. It can be in some ways, but I, I choose to say it's an opportunity. And many of us in leadership roles have an opportunity to inspire people and to move them and to shift their mindsets. I have made lots of mistakes with people and just thought they knew something and they didn't. And then they went away and I never heard from them again, but I've learned from those experiences and I'm trying to be this sort of educator that is open to questions and, and open to helping people. Uh, and you have to ask for help and ask until you get your answer. Try. And if, and another thing, if somebody is speaking in that technology jargon and you don't get it and you're confused, stop them. Say, okay, stop. You need to like, stop, please explain this to me differently because I'm not getting it. You have to save yourself in these situations where it, where you might feel embarrassed, but try, try not to just try to ask for help. Yeah. What, what great advice, you know, and I'm even thinking from a corporate perspective outside of EDU that, you know, there's lots of, I think probably a lot of people that haven't had these conversations about what it means to interact on technology, how those, what those norms look like, you know, we're so used to being in person that it feels like there's a whole world. Cause how many times a day does it, you know, Zoom probably records this. You think they probably have some backend listening system saying that how many times a day do they hear, you know, you're muted, your, your mic's not on, you know, like, but we, we, we haven't had the, those norm conversations as a lot. I think a lot of organizations, um, you know, I, I know at TechSmith, it's interesting. We did have a conversation about, um, you know, the first five minutes of a meet, any meeting that's going to be longer than 30 minutes, what that means. And it's like, that's like connection time. That is not meeting time. Uh, but like, we didn't talk about what should interaction, do we use the hand raising feature? Do we use like, how should like, and I think those are all, it's just bringing up the, the need for all of this, these things. And just to emphasize, because I know, like you said, there's probably somebody out there saying, I don't know what some of the stuff is. If you're feeling overwhelmed at all, please don't. Don't take this as a mandate. You have to go and do all these things. But I think it's a really great advice here. And Janet, we really appreciate you sharing this knowledge and wisdom with us. And before we wrap up, is there anything else that you would want to say to educators or instructional designers or anyone else that's listening to the, the show today? I would just say to, to leaders, to administrators, and to curriculum uh, leaders, please walk the walk. When you brought up the point about meetings, Matt, oh my goodness, I have sat through three hour long meetings that are <laughs> absolutely disengaging and uninspiring. If you are going to try and help someone understand that online learning can be engaging, then I hope you will try some of um, these breakout rooms or some sort of engagement tool during your meetings. You really have to walk the walk. We're all in this together and we can't just fall back on that whole lecture style. We have to engage the people that are around us. And you know what? It comes back doubly because we feel connected to our team that way as well. So, and you know, yeah, we have to risk looking like we don't know, and we might have to ask for help right in front of the whole team, <laughs> but 
it's okay. It's okay. And we, we are in this together and that's the way to maintain human connection today. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jana, thank you so much again for spending this time with us, guys. Anyone watching, you can see her. If you're watching, you can see the URL. It's everythingjanetlee.com. Go check out lots of free resources. You know, if you go out to the TechSmith blog after listening to this or watching this, we'll have some of those resources that we showed today as well. So thank you again, Janet. We appreciate your time being with us. We're always happy to have great advice come into the Visual Lounge. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. You're welcome. With that said, everybody, thank you again for tuning in and listening and watching the show. Don't forget, you can always find out past episodes out on the TechSmith blog, or you can go find us on your favorite podcast platform and listen to any of our back episodes. Lots of great information out there. We're always trying to help educators, help folks communicate more visually. And whatever you're doing, we hope that you take a little bit of time out of your day and your week and your month spending that to get a little bit better, whether you're making visuals, video, or anything else, we hope you level up every single day. Thanks, everybody. 